Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Media. I'm your host, Juliana Martins. How do we know what's going on in Hollywood? How do we know what the next big fad is going to be right before it happens? And how do we keep up with any celeb, not just the Kardashians? Well, it's because there's an entire empire of media journalism that specializes in bringing you those stories. Today, I'm incredibly honored to have one of those people on the show. Alicia Corals is an Emmy Award-winning journalist who currently works at both Daily Mail and GMA. She's interviewed stars from George Clooney to Drew Barrymore. And if there's a red carpet, she's been on it, getting the stories we all want to hear. I could talk about this woman and how impressive she is for literal hours, but before I get too carried away, let's get into my conversation with Alicia. Amazing. Hello, hello, everybody. I am so excited to have Alicia Corals on Behind the Media today. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Juliana. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. So excited to be here. I'm so, so excited to have you here. I think that this is going to be an amazing conversation. And I personally am excited to just learn as much as I can from you. I'm going to be like a sponge this episode. This is going to be so interesting for everybody. So you guys tune in. Um, I wanted to kick. (laughs) Let's do it. I wanted to kick off um, asking about your background. You graduated from USC with a bachelor's in journalism. Did you know you always wanted to work in the entertainment industry? I didn't. Actually, when I was growing up, I wanted to be like the next Barbara Walters, like who didn't write. But growing up, I moved every three years all across the country and then at 15 to Japan for a year. And so I wanted to be like a hard news journalist. My dad is a newspaper president and publisher. And that's, you know, before the gram and all that stuff, newspapers were like extremely viable. So I grew up around a bunch of newspaper people. Um, So I thought I was going to do hard news and life had a different plan for me. Do you think that moving around a lot kind of led you to want to do something like that? Definitely, because on average, I moved every three years. And these are like you know, from Southern California and then Colorado and then South Carolina. These are drastically different places, just even like the racial makeups, everything. So you really couldn't be a fly on the wall if you wanted to get to know people. And most of these people have grown up with each other their whole lives. But it made me just appreciate people from all walks of life and really not be afraid to talk to people and just, you know, get to know people. I love that. And so you did just that. By 28 years old, you were already the global entertainment director at the Associated Press. Can you tell us more about the climb to that role, the experiences that you anchored on air, such as the Michael Jackson Memorial, the Grammys, Country Music Awards, Oscars? Yeah. So as you said, I went to USC. And when I was there, again, I thought I was going to do hard news. But all my stories when I graduated, my real was like mostly entertainment. So subconsciously, clearly I was drawn to that. I'm sure part of it was just being in L.A., So I started with the Associated Press. I wanted to be on air, first of all, but I wasn't very good back then. So um, like, honestly, my reel, I remember this. I'm I'm a notoriously terrible speller, good editor, bad speller. So I was showing my reel to somebody at the AP. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, governors misspelled on your reel. And something else was, I was like, what? And then we had to take a current events test. I was like, who's your governor? I knew that. Who are your local senators? I didn't know that. But the pop culture, I knew all that. So... I got a hybrid job. It was half hard news and it was half entertainment, associate producing. And from there, because it was so hands-on, that's like right, Ronald Reagan had died. So I covered some of that. And that's where I just kind of worked my way up. But gradually enjoyed entertainment more, just found it was my natural outlet. So I eventually moved over to being a producer for entertainment. And then from there, worked my way up. 23 or four, I became the East Coast entertainment director for TV, editor, excuse me, for TV. I just kept moving up. 
And as you move up in entertainment or as a journalist, you make sources. So yeah, that's how I covered Michael Jackson's death at Staples Center. Worked with Nikessa, who's now at Hollywood Reporter. She broke Whitney Houston's death, and I was her editor at the time, was the boss. So I became the boss at a very young age of about 60 people globally across print, TV, radio, everything while still appearing on air and kind of honing those skills. It was a lot of work. But you know, when you're like young enough to not know any better, you just work hard or you don't really care. So yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you able to manage all of that and still show up to do your on-air role? I think most jobs I find, if you're really good and dedicated to your job first, they will allow you to do other things. So I always made it clear my first, you know, when I became a manager, I didn't know if I wanted to, but at the AP, if you're a good journalist, they push you into management. It's their way of how you move up the ladder. So I was talking to my dad. I was like, let's offer this role. He's like, it's simple. If you can't put your team first and yourself last for a minimum of two years, don't take the job. And so I took the job and these are people that a lot of them had been the AP for decades and people that I had worked alongside and had taught me. So I just kept it real with them. I was like, you know, I have a lot to learn, but I have a lot to offer and I'll always fight for you all. And that's what I did. So beyond all that, I I knew ultimately I do want to be on air. And so I'm going to take every opportunity I can so that then I was doing stuff with Fuse and Fox News. But the bottom line is I did my job first, my main job. Wow, that's so crazy. And so uh, with that job, what exactly was your role when you were managing all of those 60 people? Was it the global? Yeah, I was the global entertainment director. Um, so I was the boss. Like The buck stopped with me. And that's for print. And that was for photos. That was for lifestyles department. That was for TV. I mean, I was I was the boss. So, and you know, the AP is no joke. So <laughs> it was a heavy job. It taught me so well. But after two years... I got offered a job at E and then one at Entertainment Tonight and another job. I was like, okay, it's time for me to, I'm going to be on air, no time like the present. And so you said you you got hired at E. So you are an Emmy award-winning journalist. Can you tell me what you won your Emmy for and more about oh, that yeah. experience? She's, she's oh, right you have her right there. Oh, there she is. There she is. Hello. Um, so I won this Emmy. Actually, this is pretty cool. It was the first year that I was with Daily Mail TV and it was the first year of the oh, show. Wow. Yeah, so it was the debut year. And so usually Entertainment Tonight wins that category. So that Emmy is extra, I'm extra proud of it because you have been nominated before, but your first one to win for a show that just came on air and all of you put your blood, sweat, and tears together. I think I couldn't be more proud of our team. That's so exciting. What was it for? So it was for the show as a whole or was it for a specific segment? It was for the show as a whole. And I think it was Best Entertainment News Program. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, it was cool. So you've covered events, as we just spoke about, but you've also covered events like the Met Gala, Academy Awards, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, Fashion Week, you name it. What have been some of your favorite events to cover? Well, the Oscars is always phenomenal to cover. I mean, like we do red carpets all year, from premieres to every award show. But I mean, the Oscars is our Super Bowl in the entertainment industry. And it's a fun day because by then, they don't let every crew in, first of all, so you're not all bunched together on the red carpet. By then, everybody's in a good mood. The celebs are, we are, because we know it's our last big red carpet of the year. And it's always so fun to see everybody in their beautiful outfits. You never know what's going to happen. Wolfgang Puck comes out on the red carpet with his chocolate. And it's just a lot of fun. I also really love covering Super Bowl, which I never thought I would. But a friend of mine, all these years, she would say, Alicia, you got to cover Super Bowl. I'm like, oh, I now have covered like so many Super Bowls. I think maybe 10. It is such a good event. Yeah, it's it's really just kind of, you know, all, all things stuff there. I'm trying to think of Cannes Film Festival is always a really, really good one. I mean, who doesn't like sitting on the French Riviera, talking to George Clooney or whatever? So those those are the good ones. Can you tell us more 
about those experiences? Like what really made them amazing? Like what makes the Super Bowl like such a fun atmosphere to be in and walk us through a whole day at the Oscars or a whole day at the Super Bowl if you're prepping for interviews? Well, really, I think a lot of people don't realize you see the glamorous part of it, but it's a lot of prep and a lot of work. For example, Super Bowl, you've got to get credentialed way in advance. Remember to do that. And a lot of these outlets, most outlets are actually like pretty lean and thin. Sometimes you have people that do your credentials. Sometimes it falls on you. So you need to know the right people. A big thing, you've got to book your rooms in advance, whether that's for Sundance, Super Bowl, any of that, because you could be SOL. And then for all of these events, let's say I can, Super Bowl, you have to get credentialed. So you're going to different publicists in the case of can or Venice Film Festivals, you're going to the different movie studios and making sure that you're in for that junket, you know, the one-on-one where you sit down with the celebs. You're seeing films in advance. In the case of the Super Bowl, you're going to all these publicists that run the parties and you're making sure that you're in them, red carpet credential for all your crew. Then afterwards, if you're in TV and you produce like me, it's not that it's not glamorous at all. You're going back to your hotel room, you're transcribing, you are sitting with an editor, you're going through bites, you're up to like 2, 3 a.m. and then you do it all over again. So you're tired. You're physically tired when you're done with these events. And you have to pump that content out super quickly, right? Because it's timely. And then all the other editors and producers are doing the same thing. A thousand percent. So the name of the game in any format is really just speed to market. So but you have to pump it out and also be accurate, especially if your name is on it. Yes, it's 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 usually you can be handed the tape off to some or the disc off to somebody or whatever, transferring files, or you might be just doing it yourself. But you, you play after you get your work done. And so these events are awesome and they sound so fun to cover. And like you said, they are so fun to cover. If there is an event that you, okay, I guess I'll ask the question, are you assigned these events? Or let's say like your friend said, Alicia, you have to cover the Super Bowl. Do you ask to cover that event? Or how do you get these opportunities? Well, I guess back, yeah, back in the day, I was assigned events. And as you move your way up, you're assigning yourself. But nowadays, right in the past six years, it's more like friends come to this event leash. Then if I feel like covering, I will. I mean, we all have our phones now, right? So the Met Gala, it aired on Daily Mail. I actually covered with my phone. Like there wasn't that much crew, so just covered it with my phone. But that the quality is so good, you can do that now. A lot of it's relationships, let's be real. It could be celebrities asking you. It could be publicists asking you. But they remember who you are. So I think don't ever underestimate the value of breaking bread with somebody that that's been one of the biggest and best things I've gotten in my career. If you drink, go have a drink with somebody. People trust people that can look in the eye and know you're cool. They'll think of you and they will invite you to stuff that leads to more coverage. Of course. I feel like that's also how we met. We met through yes. our awesome friend, Laura Yordolian. Yes. She's like the queen at doing that. And she, that's why we're sitting here today. Thousand percent. She if, if there if, if there's anybody we could learn from, yeah, it's Laura. She's got it down pat. And we actually had her on an episode, um, a few episodes before this. So if you guys haven't listened to it, you have to listen to that one. She has like a crazy story and she's you guys have known each other for a while, right? We've known each other for so many years and we used to just always run into each other. And then we have mutual friends, but she's one of my nearest and dearest now, but yours too. So is the New York scene, like you said, relationships are huge and big. And that's something that I love, love, love and pride just PR on too. And in this industry in general, Mm -hmm. how do you cultivate those relationships with these, these publicists or these companies or these celebrities that do want to interview you or have you a part of their events? I think one good thing about New York, as you said, it's such a small scene. We are on top of each other. So you just end up knowing each other. You might be at an event and -and so-and-so will introduce you to so-and-so. And And it's a reciprocal relationship, right? A publicist and a journalist and a celeb, you all have to work together. That doesn't mean you don't do your job and I don't do mine. 
but you know, we all just have to work together. So you end up, you know, sometimes I might need a contact that I might not have. I know a friend of a friend that knows them. So can you email intro me? Never be afraid to ask. Now there is a difference if you're harassing somebody. Can you get me in? Can you get me in? No, don't do that. Nobody wants that. But there's, you know, all they can say is no once. Who cares? Totally agree. It's just like take the world by the hands yes. or by the, whatever, the bull by the horn, bull, whatever bull that thing is. <laughs> Take the world by its hands. The world doesn't have hands. The world by a storm. It's okay. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> oh my God. So whenever you are interviewing people, you can clearly feel that you are passionate and interested in, in the questions that you're asking. Who is one of the favorite or who is one of your most favorite people you've interviewed? I always love interviewing George Clooney. He's funny. He's off the cuff. He's smart. He gets that this is not rocket science. Have fun with it. You know, I really enjoy him. And he has substance. And to me, those are the interviews. But doesn't take himself too seriously. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I always like the musicians. Actors can be a little bit heady sometimes. But like Lenny Kravitz, he is cool. I like Pharrell. I like the country singers. Like I've interviewed some. Yeah, the musicians are always pretty laid back and great. Also, Drew Barrymore. We love her. Love Halle Berry. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. All of those people. I bet Drew is a hoot. Uh, she's fun. And so many of my friends now work with her on her show. And they, like, yeah, you don't hear a bad word about Drew. You really don't. No, and I heard her show is doing so well. It, it is doing well. It is. She knows how to treat her team. It's doing very well. Really exciting for her. So you've worked with these people a lot. Do you have an inner or a research process before you, you interview them? Or especially if it's a new person you're interviewing, what is that research process like? Yeah, I am typically, if I'm going to do a sit down interview with you or even a red carpet, I'm an over interviewer because it, I mean, over researcher, excuse me. These people are asked the same thing over and over and over. So if you actually do your research and find a tidbit or find a nugget, it just, people open up so much more to you. They look at you like, oh, she actually put in the time and the work to do that. And I think that that's been some of the key to my success. I'm always, there's always gonna be somebody prettier, somebody more connected, but I was like, nobody's going to ever outwork me. Like you put in the work. Oh, that's so exciting though. Oh, your job sounds so fun. It is. It is fun. Throughout your career, you've asked so many inquisitive questions, which is needed in journalism to induce the source to speak freely. Like you were literally just saying. So where did you find that confidence from such a young age to ask these types of questions that some would maybe shy away from? Good question. I think growing up in a journalism family, like respecting like old school journalism, as they say, like I'm here, I'm not here to have fun and play. Yeah, you can, and you should be having fun at your job, but I am here to do a job. And I think also the training at the Associated Press, I mean, it's the oldest journalism institute and most respected in my, in my opinion, in the world. They didn't play like, and I knew that I had bosses that would back me up. So if I'm asking something newsy because I need to ask it, I'm going to ask it. So on that note, do you sometimes have publicists that tell you have a list of things you can't ask, you can't ask, like no goes? And how do you feel about that? Yeah, sometimes you do get that. But then I also, I just think it's ridiculous. And a lot of times you'll find that when publicists do that, the celebrity doesn't care if you're asking it, because I end up asking it anyways. I don't agree to that kind of stuff. But you find the publicist is trying to control the situation. And that's just not how it goes. Now, if it's something just totally ridiculous, like about somebody's kids and stuff like that, mm -hmm. I respect that. And that's not where I go anyways. Yeah, of course. So currently being a host at the Daily Mail and Good Morning America, how do you constantly transition from reporting 
hard news to lifestyle to entertainment. Like you're always toggling. Today's a good example. This morning I started off at GMA doing a lifestyle piece on Fender guitars. It was really fun. And then I ran over to Daily Mail to host. And a lot of our stuff today was really hard news. I think, you know, first of all, a really good team of people. You have really great producers who have your back. But you've just got to be focused and in the moment. And I also say, don't take it too seriously. Like, what a gift this is to be able to do what I love. But yeah, you know that between stories, I went from, you know, killer mom today to like a baby laughing over donuts. It's just, there's a certain art to it, but that just comes with practice and the more you do it. Oh my gosh. Yikes. Killer mom. <laughs> killer, killer mom. That's so scary. Right, really? Literally. So do you, is your week mostly interviews or what is that cadence or is it producing? You know, for years, my week was running around in the field, meaning like running to this interview at a location, usually hotels, running to this red carpet, just running and running and running. Well, for years, it was producing first, and it was running around, still producing, but then being on air. And now it's more just running to be on set, running to track this piece, voiceover piece. And I think the world has changed so much because of COVID and Zooms, but there is still a lot of running around. I don't mind that. I don't want to sit in an office all day. Like I need I need that creativity. Totally. And I'm curious, GMA, Good Morning America, what is the difference between GMA, GMA2, GMA3? Yeah, so GMA3 really, GMA, uh, the first two hours, are the first hours about kind of more hard news and all that. The second hour is more of the lifestyle stuff. Um, and then GMA3 really, it was already around and it was with Sarah and Kiki Palmer and Michael Strahan. And then the pandemic happened and it was supposed to be a couple of weeks just based on the pandemic. And it was doing really, really well. And so they changed the format. So GMA 3 is very much lifestyles. And GMA is one of the number one morning newscasts. And with all the experience you had under your belt before working at GMA, what have you learned from the unique and talented people around you there? Oh, my gosh. I work with some of the best people there. Uh, Michael Strahan, Robin Roberts, Amy Robot, TJ Holmes, Dr. Jen. I learned from that group, which I already knew, but it just reinforced, be a good person, George Stephanopoulos. None of these people are jerks. They're very good at what they do, but they treat their teams really well. When you go in there, there's a calmness on set. That's also good executive producers, and they exude that. So I think from the top down, just enjoy what you do. Honestly, it's, it, that's the truth. I mean, we could be doing hard news stories, and we're still enjoying what we do. If you can answer this, what is one of the most annoying pitches that you can get from a brand or a publicist? I think when there's no news hook, but you're pitching me something that's very commercial, and that's something you would probably go to a network and say, hey, this is, you know, let's call it interstitial. That's that's content. It's like brand that you pay for it. But if you're just pitching me and it makes no sense, but I give you that feedback saying there's no news hook here, but I ask you to rework the pitch and you come with the same pitch that annoys me because it's wasting my time and yours. Totally makes sense. And so I guess that kind of answers my next question. What are some of your favorite pitches, like pitch formats or the best pitches that you can get? Obviously something that, like, do you like when a publicist has it all written out for you? Like boom, boom, boom and bullets? Or do you like them to set it up in a story? I like um, the best pitches are, to be honest with you, if you email me and then you follow up with the text, because a lot of times I'll be missing email and that's just my fault. But I really like the format of give me two lines off the top, bold who the person is and what the news hook is. And then I need to know what assets you have, meaning do you have B-roll of this that's cleared? Do you have photos that we can run? If it's a musician, are we cleared to use the music rights? Because that just heightens up the pitches and it pushes it to the top of my boss's list. 
How is it different working from pitches as opposed to seeking out your own leads? Oh, that's interesting. So uh, 50% of what I cover at Daily Mail is assigned. 25% is something that I pitched and the other 25% is probably something that's been pitched to me. So it's definitely kind of a full circle. I mean, sometimes I do, oftentimes I go after certain pitches because I know what our audience wants. Mm-hmm. You know, GMA, I actively pitch, but I'm often assigned things. So I think it's just a delicate dance. I can imagine everybody and their mother is trying to get on GMA. So how do you weed out the good from the bad? Well, they help me weed it out pretty, pretty easily. So um, yeah, everybody and their mom is trying to get on there. But you know, I kind of, I know my V, I know what the likes, I can narrow it down on what to pitch and then I go from there. Love it. And so then we can chat about you started your own company, Alicia Corals LLC. What was your favorite part about starting your company? The favorite part about starting my company was just flexing different mu- muscles. I just left E News and I was like, I need to do something else. I went on air, but I need something behind the scenes as well. So I worked with so many brands from, let's see here, who do we do? A Maybelline. We did some Nike stuff. It was just really cool to. I've been in the celebrity world for so long. It was kind of good to go to that corporate side and just try different things. And you're helping businesses behind the scene grow, correct? Yes. So the company, now that I'm back on air, two jobs, I don't do as much. But yeah, we really look at like what's going on in certain areas of growth that you want to accomplish. And we take it from there. And how do you do it all? You're doing GMA, you're doing Daily Mail, your own company. How do you juggle it all? You're doing my podcast right now. Like, you really- <laughs> I did relate for your podcast, which I usually don't. So thank you for that. I'm going to reschedule. You know what? It's not easy to do it all, but you work with good people and you'll find the good people in the industry. Like you could have been like, uh, wait, you're, you're pushing it back after you already pushed a date back, but you were really, really cool about it. And it lets me focus and just be in my element. Totally makes sense. And I I feel like when you have your own company, it's like you can work with whoever you want to. So you don't have to work with people that just don't fit in with with what you want to do. There's a freedom to having your own company, your own business, your own hours, and you don't have to work with somebody if you don't want to. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you've had such an extensive career. Is there anything like this is something that me, I'm I'm younger, I'm, I'm in my 20s and I make mistakes as we all do. And so is there anything that you can think about? Maybe it was a funny mistake or something where you thought it was going to be the end of the world and it wasn't. And you wish you could tell your past self like, oh, my God, that's nothing, sweetie. Like, you're going to be good. Oh, my gosh. I still make mistakes all the time. But to your point, in my 20s, I would just stress over it for days. Now I just let it roll off like water. Um, let me think about something back in the day that I thought, oh my gosh. Oh, I remember. Here's one. I had just started at E! News. And again, this is like my first full-time on-air job. And I think I was in week two. And we were interviewing Nicki Minaj in Times Square. And it was junket style. So we were there. Extra was there. I'm sure Entertainment Tonight. But we were one of the first. So I'm there with my producer. And I'm interviewing Nikki. It's going fine. And I said, oh, we're the same age. And I said her age. I think we were, I don't know, 30-something. It's like early 30s at the time. She started crying in the interview. And I was like, and then she tried to clap back, but I didn't care. I just kept going. I'm like, girl, please. I've never had to stay. I don't care. So I ended up leaving to go have dinner with my mom and dad who were visiting in town from North Carolina. And I started getting calls from my producer. You got to come back. You got to come back. Nikki canceled the rest of her interviews. She was really upset. I go, Why? you said her age. I was like, I'm not coming back. Get out of here. But it could have been bad. I was like, oh, I was like, shoot, I'm going to be this is only week two. Oh my gosh. But 
the e-news team, my, my bosses had my back. They're like, you didn't do anything wrong. But that was one of them. New job. And this girl's having a breakdown. She was upset because you stated a, a fact. A fact. It was a fact. Life. Yep. It was okay. a fact. Yeah. Yes. That's- so that, that happened rather interesting yes, well, yes that is a funny mistake but I feel like if I was in your shoes I would be like hyperventilating like oh my god <laughs> yeah and I think had my parents not been there being like oh well I probably would have freaked out but I was like, oh well yeah your parents were probably consoling you like oh all right they were <laughs> I mean, right right google that literally you can google that right and the video went viral because she was like rolling her eyes at me but I was like, eh. what okay that's crazy she was trying to like throw shade at you after something that's literally on Google. It was literally her. in the New York Times or age that day. I'm like, girl, I did my research. Get out of here. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's a funny story though. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I forgot about that. So the field of media is constantly changing. Journalism started in print, can now be accessed online, Snapchat. What do you think the challenges of a constantly changing media world is? Well, I think one of them from from this side is stealing content, right? Everybody just steals content. If you're a photographer and somebody's using your picture... How do you even monetize that? So I think people are always worried about that. And then also, I think, you know, on our end, everybody is a journalist, meaning like if you have a phone, you can capture anything. And that makes it hyper competitive for for what you do. That totally makes sense. I guess that's where these organizations like the media companies, where the branding and the name recognition just goes such a long way. Because if I hear Daily Mail, like I know, okay, that's legit. I'm going to read that versus... Yeah, Joe Schmo on Snapchat. Well, that's the beauty of Daily Mail. Daily Mail has the number one Snapchat channel because they've learned to, yeah, girl, they've got to check it out. They've learned to adjust in all these different mediums. If you think about their own Snapchat, Instagram, number one most read website in the world, the TV show. So they figured it out. You've got to be in every platform to really have impact. I'm so curious about Snapchat because I, I think my generation like just got over it because but my sister and her generation, they're obsessed with it. And so do you guys maybe have different content for something on Snapchat that you otherwise wouldn't have online or on the TV? It's slightly different content, but really the key is just different editing. It moves a lot quicker. If you watch it, it's almost whiplash, but that is really like your sister, they want to consume that. And so Daily Mail is a finger on the pulse of that. Uh, The TV show is definitely different than our Snapchat. You know, Snapchat is the younger, whatever version. We have that on TV, but there's a lot more crime. It's a lot more serious just because Mm -hmm. the audiences are so different. And can Daily Mail be streamed or is it on, like, you can just look up on the website? Look, yeah, look it up on the site. Um, we stream certain segments. The entire show is not streamed right now, but then it also airs. You know, check your local listings, but you can definitely check it out online. Actually, yeah, we just did one with Peter Weber yes. for the Adventures of Pilot Pete, and that I saw got syndicated or picked up on KTLA, which I had no idea would happen. So that was so cool. That was a two for one. Yes, okay, yeah. So speaking of like having each other's backs, yep, you pitched me Pilot Pete, and I did the interview. So basically, how that worked, KTLA is our partner, and it's one of our syndicate partners. So we do a whole lot with them, and our show airs right after KTLA. So it, it, during the evenings, and so yes, they pick up a lot of our content, and we pick up a lot of theirs. For our listeners that don't know what a syndicate is, can you under or can you describe what? A syndication is or yeah, what a syndicate partner is? Definitely. So for example, my GMA job, that's network, meaning it is ABC. So the network should know ABC, NBC, CBS. You always know your content is going to air on ABC or an ABC station. Syndication is you're going out to several stations. So we're owned 
primarily by CBS, but we also have partners, for example, in New York, it's PIX11. So you could be airing on an NBC network or a CBS or an ABC or wherever, just because different outlets have bought your show and they can air it on their various uh, networks. So you're an inspiration to all of us with all you've accomplished. I know like somebody, me growing up in high school and college, I would have been like all in your shit if I had your Instagram <laughs> then because you would have been like my idol. I mean, you are right now, but it's babe. It, like you have probably have so much advice for somebody that's just starting out. So what advice do you have for college students that look up to you and want to work in the same field? I think one of them is run your own race. So the thing is, you're going to see some of your, especially coming out of college and all that stuff, you'll see some of your friends like hitting those jobs way sooner than you and some might not. I think just focus on doing you. I think also it's okay to not know what you want to do. Perhaps you know you want to work in entertainment. I know you want to work in TV, but don't know what or how to get there. Learn every part of the job. And there are very few parts of the job that I don't know how to do. I know how to produce. I know how to shoot. I know how to edit. That's because I had to do it. And it makes you more invalu- It makes you more valuable to employers if you know how to do a little bit of everything, right? You can master what you want to be once you get in the role, but at least have an understanding. It gives you a better vocabulary to talk to your editors, to ask the right questions. I also think don't be afraid to ask questions. Again, most people are willing to help and the worst you can get is a no. That's okay. I think some really good advice too is like finding a mentor, like finding somebody like you, or I'm sure if somebody reached out to you on LinkedIn with a very like nice and tailored note, like you're not going to say, never talk to me again. So just like you said, ask questions, like don't be afraid to be confident. I love that advice. And that's so true. Like ask, ask questions, reach out. If people don't hit you on one format, I'm terrible about checking LinkedIn, but I will email you back. So I'm just saying, um, be persistent too. Don't annoy people, but try. I know a lot of journalism students don't think about popular media or entertainment coverage. They're just like AP, New York Times. What do you say to those kids? I say, look, we make the money. Here's the thing. I used to feel <laughs> I used to feel the same way, especially working at the Associated Press, you know, in the meetings you're doing these, they're doing like hard news, da da da. And then here's entertainment and lifestyle. But I never ever felt bad about it. I've had a great career. I've also covered so much hard news. So don't look down on it. As long as you are employed, you are happy with what you do. Remember, all worlds end up colliding anyways. They just really Mm do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like me personally, I would get so, so down if I was just doing hard news all day, every day and shooting mothers, killer mothers, whatever that was. Like, it would just, no. Like, pop culture is where it's at for me. And I can see why you would love to specialize in that. thousand percent. It's fun. It's good. And pop culture, you get your hard news days. You know, somebody will get a DUI. Somebody will have a tragedy, unfortunately. But... For the most part, it's uplifting and it's a lot of fun. And so what's next for you? You've accomplished so much. When can we expect to see you sandwiched between Robin Roberts and Michael Strahan <laughs> cracking jokes with George Stephanopoulos? You know, did you just read my mind? That's exactly, you know, I really want to keep hosting, keep moving up in that. So whether that's expanded role with GMA, a bigger role with Daily Mail, I really have enjoyed working across all of these formats. And I think the next chapter is really about paying it forward doing interviews like this, hopefully you've learned something and people have learned something. I've learned some things from you. So I just think helping each other. I love that. I've learned so much. I can't wait to listen to this back, even though we just had this conversation. I already want it to be edited because I want to listen to it again. <laughs> so well, I can't so wait to listen to the edit. 
Thank you. How can our listeners find you? You can find me on Instagram at Alicia L. Quarles, Q-U-A-R-L-E-S. Yeah, and that's like, that's my biggest uh, outlet. I'm on Twitter, but Instagram's where it's at for me. And you can find her on Daily Mail. Oh, yeah, Daily Mail. Oh, yeah, dude. I thought you meant social media. Yeah, okay. I meant it all. We want to tune in to everything Alicia. Thanks, girl. Yes, you can find me on Daily Mail TV. You can also find me on Good Morning America 3 and the ABC Network. So I appreciate the support. Thank you so much so much for coming on and this has been so fun thank you i enjoyed it it was a lot of fun behind the media is a red rock music podcast and is powered by acast i'm your host juliana martins our producer is emma martins our executive producer is red yokum for more follow us on instagram at behind the media podcast new episodes weekly available wherever you listen to podcasts come back next week for another look behind the media